34 minutes after the hour, serial killers. No, we're not talking about something as innocent as mashing up a bowl of cereal. Uh, no, no. These people are cunning, conniving, and deadly. There is a book out called Without Redemption. It's by uh, Dr. Vonda Pelto and Michael Butler. And uh, Dr. Pelto is with us on the USA Radio Daily. Dr. Pelto, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm extremely good. How are you today? Uh, I, too, am well. Good. Uh, So, first, uh, this is primarily about one group of killers, right? Right, the freeway killers. Can you give us a brief, I mean, there are people who are listening who weren't alive in uh, 1980 and don't, may not even know what this is about. Okay, let's see. These were um, a leader, William Bonin, and then five young men he recruited to kill with him. It was in Southern California back in the late uh, 70s, like 80, 81. And this dude with his uh, five little friends who were all from you know, like under 19 or so, killed 22 young boys in Southern California, uh, mostly L.A. County, but San Bernardino County and a few of the counties around L.A. County. And how did they pick these boys? I mean, was it arbitrary? Did they uh, look for... It was pretty random. Um, Bill Bonin, the leader of the group liked a particular type. He liked a uh, fair, usually blonde, um, thin, and he didn't like anybody over 18. He liked his youngest one that he killed was 12. And on that occasion, he actually killed two young boys. He would, along with one of his buds, who was also a sex buddy, would drive along Sunset Boulevard or some of the other small towns, Long Beach, etc. And they would just see a kid either at a bus stop or hitchhiking. A lot of runaways he picked up. Um, The youngest, when he took the 12-year-old, had gone down to the bus stop to go to Disneyland, and Bonin pulled alongside him and really liked his looks and says to this 12-year-old kid, come on, come on, uh, where, where are you going? And the kid says, I'm going to Disneyland. And so Bonin says, hey, I can drive you there, and if I drive you there, you can save the money that you would have spent on the bus. So this poor child got in the van with Bonin, and Bonin drove off without any intention of ever taking him to Disneyland. And at that point, another one of Bonin's compatriots, his buddies, his sex buddies, was in the van. And so the boy got in the back seat, of the van, and um, this compatriot of Bonin's, I believe that was Jim Monroe, um, 
started trying to have sex with him. And the the kid says, oh, no, I'm not into that. When are we going to Disneyland? And the the boy kept saying, oh, just a few minutes. We're on our way. Well, Bonin ultimately got in the back seat, raped this child, and then strangled him to death. Oh, jeez. All right, so Bonin was was a homosexual, and his compatriots were as well. All of yeah, them, all of them. Yeah, you know, and he picked it, he typically picked up um, guys on the street, like Jim Monroe, who was young, and Billy Pugh, young, uh, Vernon Butts, young, and took them in as his lover first. And one of them, um, Monroe, actually lived with Bonin in his house in Downey, California. <clears throat> and then Bonin would go out in the van and say, hey, to whichever of these sex buddies he happened to have with him, let's go out and go hunting. And that was their word for picking up the kids, of course. Uh, any of these kids working the streets, um, or were they all just innocent kids who were at the wrong place at the wrong time? The, all at the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, the buddies that killed with him were a couple of were working the streets. So they were working the streets, but the, the victims were apparently not. Uh, yep. And they killed 22? Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, that just—that is really ugly. So, you spent time with them, uh, and you spent a lot of time apparently with Bonin. What was going through his mind? I mean, why? How did he end up getting a thrill out of raping and killing little boys? He was very abused as a child, and sexually molested as a child. And I think also there was a genetic um, component. I don't believe people just become serial killers because they were molested or battered. I think there has to be something genetic as well as the environment. And so the, he, he did let some of the kids go in the beginning, and then uh, they, one of the kids turned him in. A David McVicker turned him in, and at that point, Bonin was arrested, put in our system, sent to a Tascadero mental hospital for mentally disturbed sexual offenders, and was given treatment. And Bonin was then in and out of treatment for years, actually. And then he would get out and not changed at all, would continue molesting. But up to that point, he hadn't killed yet. Then in 1980, um, after being really angry at this one boy, he, just, he said, he Bonin stated, I will never leave another victim alive because they would turn him in and he'd have to go back into treatment. He was released from treatment after many years and as cured 
the psychiatrist wrote and said, this man is cured and is safe to be on the street. Then he started killing. I cannot imagine how that doctor must have felt when he found out what this guy ultimately ended up doing. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. So uh, to kind of jump a little bit further ahead, are they still in prison? Are they, any of them still alive? What's going on with them? Bonin was given the death penalty and was put to death lethal injection back in 1996. Uh, Vernon Butts had hung himself in the jail early 1980, and that's why I was hired to work in the L.A. County Men's Central Jail was to see all the high-profile killers, such as the porn star John Holmes and the trash bag murderer and the sunset killer and the freeway killer, Ken Bianchi. What do they have in common? Um, that they have, that they're all psychopaths. They have absolutely no conscience. I asked Bonin, how does it feel, and oh, I'm sure I've told this story without redemption also, but anyway, I asked him, Bill, how does it feel when you kill a boy? And he says, oh, I feel relaxed. And I said, well, what drives you to do this in the first place? And he says, well, I just get really upset and I get really stressed feeling and I just, I'm so agitated, I have to go out and pick up somebody to kill. And once I do, I feel relaxed, I feel good. And I said, well, Bill, you know, this is not in our human rubric that we understand this thought process. But I said, was it like killing an animal? And he said, no, I've got more feelings for an animal. Wow. I, can you imagine that? That is just... Like, I, I don't feel well, I'll have a couple of aspirin. Uh, I don't feel well, I'm going to go out and rape and murder some little boys. Exactly. Now, Ken Bianchi, on the other hand, the hillside strangler, he and his cousin Angelo killed 12. Um, he, he and Angelo did it. The first murder was... Uh, revenge murder, killed a prostitute that they became angry with. And after that, they decided, these two guys decided, it was really fun to have that total power over life and death. And so they went ahead and started picking up more. I think in all they had 12. And with serial killers, particularly like hillside stranglers, it wasn't to reduce their uh, frustration or anxiety. It was to enjoy it and have the power. And the thing that they do, which is typical, is they accelerate. The first person, they get the thrill out of just the killing. But then after a while, they become bored with just picking up somebody and killing them. So with Ken and Angelo, the thing they did with one of their later victims was to inject Windex into her arm, oh. into her vein. 
because they wanted to see what would happen. And she began to convulse. And then they put a plastic bag over her head, and they would take her to the point of almost suffocating. And then they would remove the plastic bag, revive her, and then continue watching her convulse, and then they would put the plastic bag tight again. Good Lord. That is incredibly vicious. Yes. Yeah. It, it, you know, I was, I had just gotten my Ph.D. finished, new, brand new psychologist, good Southern Baptist girl raised in the church, and all of a sudden I was in the men's jail working with all these killers, getting called everything from the F word to the C word to the B word uh, as I walked up and down the halls. Who else did you uh, have an opportunity to interview? By the way, the book is called Without Redemption. Yes. Um, Creation and Deeds of Freeway Killer Bill Bonin, his five accomplices, and how one who escaped... Who escaped justice? Uh, a kid named uh, Eric, and I never can say the last name, Waristick. He escaped. Um I read Bonin's confession. Okay, I can't. You, you walked away from the phone or something. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this okay now? Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, Bonin said, had he met this Eric first before he started killing, that he probably never would have killed because he was in love with this young boy. And the young boy, I think, wanted to use Bonin, wanted Bonin to get a nice apartment for the two of them, to give him money to take care of him. And then in the confession, Bonin writes that he and this young boy, Eric, killed two kids. Bonin then went to jail, was arrested, was in jail, Eric was arrested in jail, but Bonin would not testify against Eric because he said he loved him. And they could not get enough on Bonin uh, to make, to push him into the corner where he would turn Eric in. He also thought maybe if he held out on naming Eric that perhaps that would be a way to bargain a lesser sentence because he pretty well figured he was going to get the death penalty. And these so, people are cold and calculating. Um, yeah. and, and there's a difference between uh, killers like him and, say, mass, uh, mass murderers, right? Oh, yeah. Hang on. Hang on. I'll get that answer from you in just a minute. Up against the clock. Uh, oh, the book okay. is called Without Redemption. Vonda Pelto, Ph.D. with Michael Butler on the USA Radio Daily.
And it's the USA Radio Daily. I'm your host, Gary Nolan, Igor Klibanov. You're going to be with us, expert trainer for chronic conditions. We'll just find out what that's all about in just a few minutes. But uh, there is a book out by uh, Dr. Vonda Pelto and Michael Butler. It's called Without Redemption, uh, Creation and Deeds of Freeway Killer Bill Bonin, His Five Accomplices, and How One uh, Who Escaped Justice was written on a number of parallel tracks that constantly intersect. Difference between uh, mass shooters and uh, mass murderers and, and people like uh, Bill Bonin. Mass murderers uh, assume they're going to be killed. And so they do it all in one blast, and it has to be at least three people killed at a time to be a mass. And they just, they're, they're often out for revenge or to make some kind of political point. Serial killers are very meticulous, typically, because they want to kill as many victims as possible for over as long a time as possible. So they don't want to get caught, and they don't expect to get killed. And they don't, so, so they're not looking for immortality no. uh, or anything like that. How did this guy get caught then? Uh, one of the young boys, Billy Pugh, who was killing with him, was in, he had been in juvenile detention hall for stealing a car. And when he read about another victim being killed by Bonin, he recognized Bonin's style and thought, oh my God, I know this guy, and he had killed with Bonin, and he called the authorities. Tried to make a deal. Yes, to try to make a deal, which he did. He got a very light sentence and was out just a few years later. One of the other um, freeway killers uh, was killed in the jail uh, when they were, no, killed at Mule Creek Prison when they were out in the prison yard. And Bonin was killed. The only one left alive now is uh, James Monroe. And he killed the last one that was killed with Bonin, Stephen Wells. I have a funny story, if you'd like. I had the freeway killer. By the way, I was single at that time. And had I met the freeway killer, the Hillside Strangler, I'm sorry. I mean, so many killers. You get get them really (laughs) mixed up sometimes. The Hillside Strangler, I would have dated him because he was very suave, and he would go out and pick up women, and I, I would have dated him. Well, one day he was in my office along with the trash bag murderer, and the two of these killers got into an argument over whether or nice, not nice women wear makeup and tight clothes and low-fitting, low-cut clothes. And William and Ken Bianchi, the hillside, said, well, I would never date any woman who was so suggestive in her dress. 
Now look, Dr. Pelto dresses like a lady. And the trash bag murderer said, well, I think it makes them look better. And at that point, I thought, my God, these guys are going to get in a fight, and they're going to hit me accidentally. <laughs> so I, I stood up and pounded my desk, kind of, and said, okay, you two, get out of my office. Good Lord, they were fighting over who to, who to murder. Yes. <laughs> Just the bad girls, not I, the good girls. I want this book. It's Without Redemption. Yes. Uh, Vonda, go ahead. Yeah, what? Oh, I was just going to say, my first book is very different. It's called Without Remorse. And what's that about? It's about all of the all of the killers in my life in the jail. Without remorse, I got it. Now I got to buy two books. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'll be broken the Ten Commandments, but I'll have something to read. Yes. Uh, well, you'll need a glass of wine with it. <laughs> without <laughs> redemption and without remorse. Two yes. books by Dr. Vonda Pelto about serial murderers. Fascinating yes. stuff. Doctor, yeah. thank you. You are very welcome. Yeah, you're listening to the USA Radio Daily. And coming up, veterans will help you find a job. And if you're out of shape or in pain, we might have a trainer that can help you. In the USA Radio Daily.